You've often heard me uh, pray that God would take the skeletons of my thoughts. Um, We're going to pray because the last 40 minutes in this building has um, sent me off in about 300 different places that we could take the sermon that was uh, uh, minted um, last night and printed this morning. So I have no idea where God's going to take us now. So I could do with some prayer for that. Lord, I pray that again you would take the skeletons of my thinking this week as I've wrestled with scripture and our context and challenges coming from outside of the church. But I'm aware that at this moment you might want to take these things in other directions or in directions I haven't given a lot of time to. I pray, Lord, you would bind my mouth and tie my tongue uh, if I would head off in one that would not be to your pleasing, but that you would free my mind to go where you would want us to be led this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And even after that prayer, the joy of the Reformation is, I might be wrong. In fact, there are times that I am. And if any other Presbyterian minister has a different view of infallibility or fallibility than that one, then move church. (laughs) A few things have led us. We're in the middle. We're waiting for, I guess... The summer, are we not? Heather put it beautifully this Thursday when we were talking about neighborhood development. June is December without Christmas. Um, I'm convinced it's worse because I'm convinced we try to do July and August's work in June. And we have this flaw that we think June's going to be slightly easier. So we'll do that in June when it's a bit easier. But um, anyway, lots of things are happening around me and I'm trying to work out where we're going next year. And Jonathan and I have been meeting and um, Roberta, we've got a a schedule or schedule or whatever way you want to look at that. And we're hoping to get into September and look at who we are again as a church and remember that for a few sermons. And then we're hoping that with the help of Eugene Peterson, but not just based on Eugene Peterson, we'll be looking in Ephesians what it is to practice resurrection. But in the in-between time, we're kind of just finding themes or ideas that are coming from around us. And I suppose a few things have gathered in this week for me. We were in Clonard last Sunday night, um, and that stimulated some thinking. Um, And I spend some more time now with friends in West Belfast, priests in West Belfast, and and watch the fall-off of Catholicism number-wise. And this week has been their 50th International Congress of the Eucharist in Dublin. And that had me thinking about church and how we do church. And uh, then um, uh, Caroline has mentioned that Mike Scott's reading tomorrow night in the Crescent Arts. I don't expect other than about five of you to know who Mike Scott is. But he's the, the singer of a band called The Water Boys. And we did some of his songs last Last year, he's a spiritual person, although he uh, seems to dismiss Christianity. And he has a new book out, which is why he's doing a reading tomorrow night. And Jonathan and I have read that book. And there's this challenge that I cannot get away from. If you read my blog, if you're on my um, uh, Facebook page, or you're just talking to me at the minute, I go on and on about this sentence out of the book. And I suppose that led me to Clonard, to a royal wedding, to PCI, and then we'll take it from there. This is what Mike Scott says. Now, he's been, a chapter of the book is is his experience of a black church in America where he has sensed the spirit. He says not, 
he's not a Christian, but the Spirit is Spirit wherever you find the Spirit. It's quite interesting. A few contradictions, Mike, if you're listening to the, the, the podcast of this. But then he comes to, I'm looking all the time, why has he dismissed Christianity? C.S. Lewis fanatic. Great Divorce is his favorite book. Big George MacDonald fan. Reads a lot of George MacDonald. Comes from what he says is a Christian country of Scotland, however we want to see that. And he's a massive Bob Dylan fan who took Christianity as his faith. Why would Scott dismiss it and go for something more new agey or whatever else? Here's what he says, and I've said it before, I think. I've always found British church Christianity a depressing, soul-numbing enterprise, which spoke neither of the mysteries of life nor the content of my heart. As a minister, I'm listening to these things. I'm asking myself, why are people out walking and running and doing all kinds of other things this morning that they think would be more useful to them than meeting with the king of love? Why would they be doing that? Here's an amazing message. Now, I know there's a a caress and a collision with the gospel. And I know we've been talking already about giving ourselves to God and not many people want to necessarily do that. But why are people walking on golf courses Why are people walking on the Malone Road? We pass so many of them are out cycling on the towpath. Why are they playing tennis? Why are they doing all these kinds of things? Why are they walking past this building and saying, hmm. Hubert Martin was sharing with us. I suppose that's another thing I should have said in our announcements that Hubert Martin from Lowe, who's very expert in estates, has agreed to take on our building project as a sort of a consultant leader of that. And we were listening to him on Thursday night and he was just sharing with us that he knocked, they knocked doors around low and people are saying to him, the church, do you know, I never thought of the church. What has it been that has caused this? And is Mike Scott giving us a clue? That as the vast majority of people get up on a Sunday morning, the last place they're thinking about is church because their experience of it is depressing and soul-numbing. And that it neither meets the mysteries of life nor the contents of their heart. That's our challenge. And I enjoyed Clonard last Sunday night. But I've said it to Father Martin and I've said it to Ed and I need to say it maybe to Father Jerry some stage too. I understand why under 30s aren't flocking in. The royal wedding, I've talked about this before. Yes, or the service for the Jubilee. Chance for the church to show Britain that it's neither soul-numbing or dull, that it's right on the cutting edge of our culture. I don't even have to comment. PCI. Worried about dropping numbers. And us, not worried about dropping numbers. This is a huge challenge. As your minister for the next, let me frighten you and say possibly 10 years. I know you don't want it, some of you, but you called me. (laughs) Your fault, not mine. Um, I think I might just get through. But you see my successor, 
how he's going to take the more mature of you in an enlightenment modernist project and bring into that this generation, I have no idea. Tell you what it's going to be dependent on. The maturity of you as a body of people. The flexibility of you as a body of people. Because we are close. We are very close to being irrelevant to under 40s. And don't blame them and their culture for that only. Frightens me every morning I get up. But let me come and to give some answers to this. Let me tell you a story I've told you before, but listen to it again. Who am I to have the ego to think you remember it the last time? But also I'm going to bring different things out of it this time. Roy Comrie's a missionary friend of Janice and I. He is one crazy dude. Black Mamba has bitten Roy, and Roy won. There are not many people out there who a black mamba has bitten, and they won. He will tell you stories of crocodiles around campfires that will make you laugh and just... A mad Zimbabwe missionary. So he's driving along just after the Rhodesian War, and he picks up a hitchhiker. That's courageous. We knew all about it during the Troubles. It's more courageous when he picked him up with an AK-47 over his shoulder. Gets into the car, puts the rifle between his knees, and they start driving. No conversation. Roy's trying his hardest, getting nowhere. This is cold. This is harsh. This could be violent. Guy looks around the car after a while, sees a Bible, and goes off in one. Ah, you're a Christian. God doesn't exist. I've been to Russia. Not sure how that makes that work, but uh, for some reason for him it worked that God doesn't exist because he'd been to Russia. Probably unlikely he had, but maybe he had for training. And he went off and one against God and Christianity. So Roy's still there and he's been bitten by black mamba, so this guy's not really a problem at all, but it's scary to me. Roy said this. I started to speak to him in his own language. And started to use in his language the words for Father, Son, Messiah. He said it shook him, first of all, that I was speaking to him in his own language. He hadn't, got, he hadn't really been thinking that was going to happen. So that was the first shudder. Then, Roy says, then he says to him, this was the most violent man that I reckon I'd ever spent time with. So I took him, I took him to the most violent place that there's ever been. Those of us who stand outside movies with 18 ratings, we need to look at the direction of God on the salvation of the world. He took them to the cross and he took them through a cross because for this man, that kind of violence was going to hit home. Since when they got to Harare, the man wouldn't get out of the car and you can understand because of the rifle between your knees, his knees that you wouldn't exactly ask him to leave. But he wouldn't get out of the car until... Roy led him to know this Jesus. And he said the next week when they met to have a follow-up Bible study, which Roy had suggested they should have, the man's running down the street with his arms open shouting, Baba Comrie! Baba Comrie! I'm sleeping now! Because he told him that he hadn't slept for years because of the violence that had gone on in his life through the Rhodesian War. 
few things going on there. Courage, the power of the cross and Jesus, but incarnation. Roy's tactics were incarnation. He listened. He worked out where the guy was. He spoke into the guy's life in the guy's language. And it had an impact because of it. Tells another story about wanting to give out Bibles to this sort of army terrorist guerrilla group. And he drove down into this sort of foresty area. And there was a camp, but nobody. And he walked into the forest trying to look for some people. Nobody, very silent. And then suddenly surrounded by an army. Who in their language, not thinking he knows the language, start to say, let's play with him. Let's torture him. Let's shoot him. No, let's not shoot him yet. Let's have some fun with him first. And Roy stands in the middle of them, as Roy does. And the leader of the guerrillas comes up and looks him in the eye and starts to spit at him and shout things in his language and Roy spoke back to him in his language. He said, the war's hard, isn't it? It's difficult out there. It's dangerous. You're frightened. You've seen things you don't want to have seen. All these guys stand back, again surprised at the language. And Roy tells us of how he left by giving them all a New Testament because he said, I have something in my car that might be something that your men might need to read if they want to find some forgiveness or some courage or some way to live their lives. And he gave them all uh, Gideon's Bible and he drives off waving at them as they go. Only Roy Comrie. But it's the incarnational way to do it. Hudson Taylor grew his hair. When he went to China, he looked like Chinese. We need to incarnate into our generation. To listen, to speak in their own language, to find out the questions and the situations, and then to speak interestingly, initially without any condemnation. Roy left that to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Baba Comrie's sleeping now. It wasn't Roy's work. It was leaving the guy with the Bible and some prayer in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to still be here in 25 years' time, and I'd like to think so if we're going to put money into the holes behind us, then what we've got to do is go back to this amazing truth of John chapter 1 and see it as the bedrock of what we do in this place, that we are going to be incarnational, moving into the neighborhood, pitching our tent amongst them, speaking as the Westminster Confession says, yes, yes, the Westminster Confession, that they should have the truth in their vulgar tongue. We lost that straight away. It was 400 years before we thought they should have an updated version of the Bible. But the Westminster Divines knew that if we're going to communicate with every generation, the scriptures need to be in our own language that meets us where we understand our own vulgar tongue. What would Jesus do? Maybe we know that. How would Jesus do it? Listening. 
moving in, finding the language, finding the questions. What do they think are the mysteries of life? What are the contents of their heart? And meeting that need. So we have the message. It's one way we've done it. We have new worship. It's one way we've done it. Our buildings. Maybe we need to think about that. Our relevance. Are we still relevant? Or dull and soul numbing? I said something earlier and I wonder what your take on it was. I prayed for the wealth of our accident of birth. And in the old way, we look at the scriptures and theology. Oh, accident. Now, what did he mean by accident? That's not an accident. Is that an accident? I think it would be God's will. And there's a generation that looks at it in those ways. And there's a new generation that looks at the spirit of it with a wee bit more flexibility. And when those two come to clash, we need to listen. We need to find the language and the questions and the situation that we need to speak into. I would like to have gone into Acts 17 and how Paul did that. I would like to have got to the Great Commission and how we are called to go into every ethnic group. But I don't have time for that, so let me just give you maybe some conclusion as to where this might go. Two weeks ago and on the fits, I sent out where I think God is leading us because I haven't dragged him there. He's dragging me there, I believe me. There are things happening and I go, oh my goodness, let's open that door when Nick Crass phones up and we have a young assistant minister on the radio this morning or tomorrow morning talking about refugee week and sleeping rough on the street. I think something's going down. I think there's a language barrier being broken down and I think we're getting on to places and we're getting into people's uh, attention that maybe we haven't had in the past. But it seems to me that when I came here, we had a three-pronged approach to what mission was and we have to incarnate into all three we have the holy lands, the, whole, the holy lands, and um, lower Ormo. We have botanic, art, coffee drinking, club, and we have Queen's University. And what we're going to have to do is try. Some of us, not all of us, doing all three. But we've got to listen to the language. We've got to listen to the questions. We've got to listen to where we can. Bring that gospel in. Bring that message of Jesus into those three different places. Faith and trial might be helping us with the academia, but maybe we need to think about more. Some of the art stuff we're doing might help us with botanic. We need to look at that and see where we're going. Mornington might be helping us. Ulsterville might be helping us in different ways in order to engage with people in the lower Ormo or refugees or whatever else. But we're going to have to incarnate and be a congregation who sees this as our ministry, as well as being particles of light across the city. We need to listen in our offices. We need to listen to what the questions are. We don't need to be given questions that nobody's answering. I remember doing an EE, Evangelism Explosion course, when we learned all these verses over a week and how we could evangelize people. And we went in with these two questions. If you died tonight, where would you go? And if you died tonight and God asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? And we had this great formula that was written out, but the leader said to us before we went out, this is a formula, but you've got to hear what happens in the conversation and adjust the formula to how you share the good news. And we went into the first home and somebody said, no, I don't believe in God. And the question was, if you died tonight and God asked you how to get into it, and I'm going, no, they've said they don't believe that. We've got to hear what people are saying. And those are three very different places that we're trying to 
incarnate into. But we need to do it. And some people have said, quite a range across the house, that there's some fear within Fitzroy that as we do all this stuff, that we're maybe forgetting about our own spiritual nurture and our spiritual formation. That's not the case. But can I say that I believe mission is the mother of theology and mission is the mother of our spiritual formation? And unless we have mission and unless we're out in mission, then spiritual formation or spiritual nurture are wasted. We start by saying, where are we sharing this gospel that's been shared with us? But there will be in practicing resurrection. There will be in an evening program next year when we look at the mysteries of life and the contents of our art, which is a series we're going to look at on some of those Sunday evenings. We will be trying to nurture ourselves as believers to be able to incarnate into a world that we have. I don't think I've communicated fully the dilemma that we are going to have. It hasn't happened yet. We've talked about it for a number of years, but it's about to hit the road. The rubber is about to hit the road and we need to be incarnated to a generation of people who we've already lost and a generation that we might still lose and we're going to need to be flexible. We're going to need to be listening to the spirit. We're going to need to be listening to the culture and we're going to need to be ready if we're not already for the challenge that changes, that changes the judgment of a British church, whether Catholic, whether Church of England or PCI, that we are not dull and soul-numbing. How can Jesus have been made that? But that we're relevant, we're contemporary, and we're based on a tradition that goes back thousands of years that is a firm foundation for the questions of this generation got to hear the right questions got to give the right truth into it and how do we do it we've got to do it in love i'm longer than i wanted to be but let me finish with a poem you can take it away as you please but here's some of my thoughts kids sit in the street corners sipping bottles of cheapest wine the taste of their transcendence is not the sacramental kind there's not time for ancient ancient concepts when you long for bread alone and their only picture of mercy are faces in Victorian stone. Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a chorale in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me graffiti on the subway wall. Billy couldn't come to church. He had no righteous rags. He went to see God in prison when he could bring his packet of fags. Ideas look good from a distance, but life is lived up close. You can end up swallowing elephants when it's candy floss you choose the most. Lord, I don't want to be a symphony or a chorale in a marble hall. Don't hang me in some gallery. Spray me graffiti on the subway wall. Let's pray. Lord, challenge us as to how far we are away from those that you long to reach through us. When was the last time we spoke or engaged with the people that you love and long to reach? Help us not to 
be in our bond, in our wonderful building, just feeding ourselves. When you call us to share this glorious gospel, this life-transforming cross with the entire nation. Lord, show us how we here in Fitzroy can engage with everyone who drives past our church on a weekly basis, who lives in this area, who works in this area, who shops or is entertained in this area. Help us to listen. Inspire us as to how we might be heard. Show us what incarnation means in 2012 in Belfast. Never allow us, Lord, to be complacent in whatever ever culture we've come from or whatever culture we've created around us. Help us to be brave enough to walk into forests that are silent and dangerous with guerrilla warfare and to pick up the guy with the gun and to listen and share in the language of the people to transform their lives for now and forever. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.